Logan, Chris Shorb here, calling in. Uh, been missing the podcast. Had an idea for a topic. Monks. I know you've covered a lot of the other classes from uh, fantasy role-playing games. But monks, they are my favorite class. I remember when I saw them in the AD&D and I was like, oh, this is awesome. In AD&D, I, I just was super stoked. Um, one thing, people always go, monks, they have no place in my opinion, in my thinking of European medieval fantasy. But one version of a monk that you can think of is Friar Tuck. Friar Tuck's not a cleric. He doesn't do any healing. He doesn't do anything like that. No, he's a badass with a bow stick that just happens to be coming out of European uh, European folklore. Anyway, hope to see you back in the pod feed soon. Bye. Hey, Chris. Thanks for the suggestion. I am on it. I know I'm several months late, but I hope you'll hear this and enjoy the result. Good point about Friar Tuck. It's never really that hard to bend a class into the setting you're working with. If it feels out of place, reskin it. Hey, Logan. Lonely Adventurer from the Camping with Owlbears blog. Uh, just finished listening to your back catalog and just wanted to say, good job. Good job. If you could see me, I'm doing a slow golf clap right now. Uh, I think that Swordbreaker does what Rayotis does, what Blogs on Tape does, and several other podcasts do, which is inspire the listener to think about the genre of fantasy gaming in unexpected ways and it's like a word prompt for writers it's just great it is it takes my mind down avenues it wouldn't have thought to go down on its own so it's just inspiring and fun to listen to and the songs are ridiculous and wonderful and uh, keep it up i can't wait for the next episode Thank you, Lonely Adventure. I think you completely nailed what I'm hoping to do, and it really feels good to get that kind of feedback. Appreciate it. Hello, Logan. I'm Michael Shorten, also known as Chicago Is, and I host the Dungeon Master's Handbook podcast. I just caught my very first episode of your Swordbreaker podcast, the Thieves episode. Really enjoyed it. That little mind nugget of dangerous ally I'm going to be chewing on for a while. I thought about it, and I see fighters and thieves as two sides of the same coin, where fighters do their thing by brawn and skill at arms, thieves do theirs by subterfuge, intelligence, and avoiding a fight, but I think their motivations probably are are very similar and entwined, just as you might see a mage and a cleric as two sides of the same coin, one searches knowledge in arcane, one searches knowledge in the divine. Anyway, great episode, I'm looking forward to listening to more of yours. Take care and game on. Hey, Michael, that's an interesting observation. I think you're onto something there. The contrast between player characters can really feed the story. Catching glimpses of the way they are similar or incompatible adds poetry to the game. Hi, Logan, it's Goblin's Henchman here. I just wondered whether you might be interested in doing an audio dungeon uh, room for me. Um, If you look back at episode 16 of my podcast, you'll see the sort of thing I'm after. If that's not your thing, no problem, but of course... Uh, if you do, that would be grand. Okay, thanks a lot. Cheers for that bite. Oh, man. Goblin's henchman, that is 
exactly the kind of thing I love to do, and I'm so sorry I missed it and was out of touch during that time. If you come up with anything else like that and think of me, I'd really appreciate another invite. Thanks for, for inviting me to do that. Hi, Logan. It's Lyran. I just thought I'd leave you a message. I was thinking of you. Uh, I haven't been keeping up with the Audio Dungeon Discord very well, and I hadn't seen a message from you in a little while, and I was thinking about crocheting, and that makes me think of you too. So I thought I would check in, just say hey, and I hope that you and your family are doing well and surviving lockdown. We're doing all right so far. So we've been making cloth masks, actually. Jeff and I have discovered the fine art of team sewing. I prep the fabric, cut the fabric, do all that, and he does the sewing part. So that has worked out really well for us. Anyways, just checking in. Like I said, I hope you're well. Bye. Hi, Liren. Thanks for the nice message. While I have been out of the podcasting realm for a while, I have been creating Amigurumi using my poor freestyle crochet skills. I have a goal to create a bunch of the classic D&D monsters out of yarn. I hope you and your crew are healthy and happy. Hey, before I get started talking about monks, I also wanted to shout out to Evil Jeff and Joe who sent me uh, Merry Christmas messages, and that's just how long I've been off the air. So I, I really appreciate it, guys. I hope that you had a good time, and I hope you're feeling well and, and that your families and friends are doing well also. Take care. How do monks fit into your setting? I've definitely heard the complaint Chris mentioned before. Monks are clearly an attempt to drop martial artists into a setting that seems largely inspired by a Eurocentric fantasy model. I have pretty strong feelings about that. First, it's fantasy. Can people really accept beholders more than Asians? Let those minds go and have fun. Second, the ancient world saw way more overlapping of cultures than we usually imagine. People got around. One of my favorite stories is the legend of the Monkey King. The true story that underpins the whole thing is about a monk who travels vast distances to obtain the knowledge needed to help Buddhism flourish in China. Why would it be impossible for other monks to find themselves far afield on similar quests? Lastly, if you have strong feelings about the flavor of your campaigns, make that known before players start picking characters. Then people can try to fit into the setting or come up with creative ways to adapt characters and settings to work together. Body, mind, and spirit. Monks are nothing like typical fighters. Their fighting skills are deeply connected to their other practices. How does that manifest in a role-playing game? Body comes out in the form of physical prowess. That might be a great opportunity for the player to describe exercises or body hardening techniques. Show that in the story. Is it harder to knock them out with a club to the head because they've received hundreds of strikes to the head in their training? Can they pull someone out of a pit when they only barely caught the edge with one finger? Mind shows up in the form of meditation, the struggle to learn something from everyday experiences, and the study of principles valued in their tradition. Take some time to explore their thoughts. Monks don't just stumble from one adventure to the next. Each adventure teaches them something. 
Spirit can be illustrated with things like poverty, honor, and morality. Monks are never in it for the money. Even when they find work, they put way more effort into their duties than payment warrants. Magic items and loot won't mean much to them. Look for other ways to reward them. Is there some breakthrough they might achieve in their art? They might have a real problem with activities they see as criminal or dishonest. They're probably no fun at the tavern. Eight Variations on Monks Number one, Hermit. What happens when a killer gets spiritual and swears off weapons but still thinks like a killer? A fantasy version of the Equalizer or Jason Bourne comes to mind, someone who far surpasses the normal soldier in the killing arts, but rarely shows up with a weapon in hand. Number two, Twinless Twin. My son is a twinless twin. He's so incredibly talented that we sometimes wonder if the twin that didn't make it through the pregnancy is still with him in some way. What if all the twinless twins in your world had the ability to touch the spirit world? When they're discovered, they're taken and trained as ghost fighters. Because they can only interact with the non-corporeal with their own flesh, they become superb hand-to-hand fighters. Number three. Governess. If they lived in a land in which orcs might show up to attack the family on the way to or from the manor house, the Jane heirs of the world might also be fighting instructors. A tutor or a governess might become an all-in-one educator for hire. They need all the skills to prepare their charges for any occasion, including how to fight when there are no weapons available. Number four, the prepared For the followers of Amuhala, the goddess of death, rebirth, milk, and rhythm, confronting death is the ultimate spiritual practice. An elder will have been poisoned, stabbed, bludgeoned, drowned, choked, and bled numerous times. They have cultivated a supreme calm in the effort to see, as their goddess does, right through the violence at hand to the nourishing beat of the world drum. They never flinch. They know exactly what it takes to kill and will sway slowly into a combat, turning away attacks with the slightest motions while efficiently plucking out the life from Amuhala's enemies with their bare hands. Number five, Charmed Owlbear. What would happen if an owlbear or some other powerful monster fell in love with a party member? It's not a pet. It's a nearly indecipherable ally with powerful natural weaponry. Number six, warrior poet. The people of Thistleyar look upon their high poets, the Vanadrin, as a class higher even than their chieftains. Each warrior poet is looked to as a representative of perfect virtue. They honor their gods, their history, their arts, and their customs upon pain of death. They never refuse personal combat. They never enter a home uninvited. They never lie or steal, and they fight in the manner of their noble ancestors before the age of iron. Even in conversation, they choose their words carefully because they are participating in the creation of their people, and the gods are writing down everything they say. Number seven, self-aware flesh golem. Something went wrong and the flesh golem, constructed to be a bodyguard for Osgood the necromancer, started prowling around the edge of town, 
asking for work and insisting it's a person like anyone else. That's a hard claim to make when you're ugly as sin, seven feet tall and stronger than a horse. Still, it uses the most complicated words and seems to live by some archaic code of honor. Number 8. War Saint Everyone saw her go down. Her body was full of arrows and covered in boiling oil. She fell into the moat and could not have held her breath for so long. But here she is, returned from the dead and glowing with an inner light. She always seems to be listening for something. When she fights, her fists burn like furnaces and hot wind throws her enemies around like embers. That's it for this episode. If you have some ideas about monks you want to share, send me a note through the Anchor app or just send me a note on any other subject you want to. I'd love to hear from you. The crew at your table is making demands. They want adventure in fantasy lands. Wahoo, Swordbreaker! You need some options, and you need them now. They're bored with the owlbears and sick of the drow. Wahoo, Swordbreaker! You're brilliant, it's true, but you know in the end, even the finest can use a friend. With random rambling and homebrewed lists, listener content with awesome twists. Bounce, 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 Swordbreaker!